Mira C. Hi, I'm Melinda Cohen, host of Just Between Coaches, and I'm here today to share a different kind of episode with you. You likely listen to Just Between Coaches because you want to be a better coach and you know that requires willingness to dive deep into issues. That's why I'm eager to share a brand new show that just joined the Mira C. FM podcast network. It's called For Better or For Work, and it's hosted by my friends and colleagues, Danny Innie and Bumi Patuk. To give you a taste of the show, we're running an episode right here in the Just Between Coaches feed. We chose this particular episode because the guest hosts, Suzanne Evans and Melanie Orr, are coaches themselves, known for quickly getting to the heart of the matter for their clients. Now we get to hear them reflect upon their own business challenges in their signature, no BS kind of way. If you like what you hear, make sure to find For Better or For Work in your favorite podcast player and subscribe. and welcome to For Better or For Work. This is a show that explores what it's like to run a business together as a couple. My name's Suzanne Evans. And I'm Melanie Orr. Together, Suzanne and I run Driven, Inc. And today, we're here to listen to and react to Danny and Boomy's conversation about when we disagree. And we're excited about disagree. Are we ready? Yeah. All right, so our conversation today is about what do we do when we disagree? So, I mean, we just had this happen. Like, we had a big fight yesterday. Should we talk about that? Because it's, I think it's instructive. Yeah, fresh off the press. (laughs) So, to set the stage, and I think the stage is important for this, it was a Sunday. We were away for the weekend with our kids in the country. And so, this was not work time, but there was a thing in the context of work that you felt needed to be attended to. And my perspective was, no, A, it didn't need to be attended to with any urgency. It didn't need to encroach on our weekend together. And it was not your job. It was somebody else's job that you were kind of stepping into. And your perspective was, well, it's not happening as fast as you want it to happen. You don't feel confident that it's getting done. You felt there was a time sensitivity. We disagreed about that, but that's fine. And so you wanted to step in and do it. And I felt strongly that you should not because it's somebody else's job. It's not just that it, I was disagreeing as your husband who doesn't like that his wife is working on the weekend when she's away with the family. But I was also disagreeing as your boss, who's like, you're taking away the consequences from someone whose job it actually is. You're compromising the organization's ability to get better. And your perspective was... Should I just share my perspective? You you can share your perspective because you know I, I my my read on your perspective might be might be less charitable than your actual perspective. So yes, I agree that it was a Sunday and it was a weekend and we were away. And this was a thing that was uh, bothering me. It was on my mind for I don't know. I want to say two weeks. And so I don't know if you resonate with this, sweetie, but I think you might. It's like if you have something on your mind, it's just going to keep coming up for you unless you just deal with it and. Once I dealt with it, I was able to be present and focused with the family and enjoy our time together. So I wanted to take three minutes to deal with it because it would just help me be more present and focused when we were together. So that's what I wanted to do. And one of our values at Mercy is nothing is somebody else's problem. So what that means in practice is that if you see something that is not working the way it should, you know, it behooves upon you to either fix it or get someone else to fix it. So I didn't do the actual task, which I agree is not my responsibility. The actual task would have taken me an hour or so. 
but I did sort of the first little bit and then I let the person know. And so they can take it from there. So, um, yeah, so my perspective was I'm just going to take three minutes to make a phone call and send out a quick email and then it's done. And so I don't have to think about it. And the person who's in charge of this would appreciate just that I took care of that little bit because I know that they're also super busy. Um, so yeah, this is like sort of a, a work and a personal disagreement, right? Well, that's the thing. From my perspective, it wasn't. As your husband, I found it mildly annoying that you wanted to take care of this on the weekend. I didn't really care. I, you know, I work on the weekend sometimes. You want to work on the weekend. Like, I don't yeah, care. Yeah, that's not, it hasn't been a thing for us. I mean, I prefer not to work on weekends, but there are times when I do and there are times when you do. And then, you know, it's just, that's just how it is. And we cover for each other with the kids and our other uh, social right, obligation stuff, fine. which works really well because, you know, we understand each other's context. So there's no like resentment or anything like that in terms of like, I can't believe you had to work the weekend. and You always do this. And there's none of that. Probably because we work together and we understand each other's context. So that's all good. But it sounds to me like you were disagreeing with me on a more professional level in the sense that I'm the CEO and need to be working on building systems and making sure things get done versus actually doing that myself. Yes. As the CEO of the company and from a purely professional perspective, I felt like it was a bad move for you to get your fingers into this. But where this turned into a big fight was that the way the discussion played out, it played out like a personal disagreement. Right. I think this really well illustrates where things that could be very clear and straightforward as a personal disagreement and things that could be very clear and simple as a professional disagreement, when the lines get blurred and it's like a bit of this and a bit of that, they get really messy. Because when you have those two dynamics at play at the same time, it becomes really unclear. Well, who who decides this? Those lines become blurry. And that's what causes, I think, a lot of the challenge and frustration. Right. It's not uncommon, for example. I mean, we used to have this a lot in the early days, right? Where, you know, your perspective coming into the business from the outside, but you're my wife, but you're my business partner is like you have veto for any decision, right? You have to be bought into everything. Nothing gets decided without you being on board. And it took a long time for you to kind of, you know, warm up to the idea that that's not, that's not how it works in our dynamic. It's not what was working for us, certainly as the business grew. You have to be bought in and I have to be bought in to the big things. It was less of a spousal dynamic, more of a business partner dynamic. So there are disagreements that range from like very tactical, right? In terms of like, should we do it this way or should we do it that way? How should the specific project be structured or what have you? And these just are not usually that contentious. You just go with the best idea that comes. So those are not necessarily disagreements. They're more like discussions. And but there's sometimes disagreements and they used to be disagreements. I mean, this has been... A point of contention, I think, between us, especially when one of us wades into an area that is not their expertise and feels entitled to be brought up to speed, have it all explained, have an equal vote at the table, even though they don't know what they're talking about. And we've both played this role on different occasions, right? I think that is a big concern. I think it's particularly a big concern and challenge for people who work together where it's a new dynamic, but they've, you know, they've been in a relationship forever. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think it's just being self-aware of what are those roles. And again, goes back to the conversation we had earlier about having very clearly defined roles in terms of who's going to be responsible for what and having sort of the self-awareness to be like, thanks for your opinion. And I get where you're coming from. It's just like, we can't debate everything forever. Like just having that clarity of roles and then understanding that whoever's in charge is going to be accountable to the results of decisions, right? And so person who's in charge of the role needs to be able to make decisions that are going to give us the best probability of success. Um, and also trusting that they are the closest to the problem and so that they 
their perspective is probably the most uh, relevant because they have more context than the other person. As business partners, like one of the things that we've disagreed upon and, you know, we continue to figure this out and get more and more aligned on is uh, related to sort of like, Danny, you want to like growing aggressively, you know, taking on interesting projects, interesting challenges is something that excites you and, you know, you see opportunities and then you want to, you know, go after them. Whereas my personality and my values are more around protecting what we have, focusing on profitability and like not taking a lot of risks. And so when we're making decisions around whether we should, I don't know, acquire a company, we come at it from different perspectives. But what has worked for us over the years is just getting more aligned in terms of like, you know, I understand that we need to take advantage of opportunities and go after projects that seem complex and uncertain in order to be able to sustainably continue to grow and exist. And you think more about like sort of the downside protection as well when you're making decisions. So I feel like we've gotten more aligned, but like recognizing that this is a, you know, sort of a different like there are some disagreements that we need to get aligned on in order for the dynamic to work in long term. And that there's some disagreements that you just kind of have to trust the person who's responsible for it to make the call. Well, I think, you know, as with a lot of context, it's very hard to manage, especially challenging disagreements when you're in the middle of them, right? It's worth noting that disagreements are annoying, but they're also useful, right? They're how you refine your thinking. So you know, going into most disagreements, I don't agree with you by definition, right? Otherwise, it wouldn't be a disagreement. But coming out of most disagreements, you know, we've usually both learned something and added some nuance to our position, right? So they serve a purpose, right? The disagreements are not something you want to necessarily avoid. You just want to learn to manage them better. I think it's also valuable to to spend time exploring the interests behind the positions. So, you know, this is if you go to like business school, take a negotiation class, they'll talk about interest versus positional negotiation. So the the positional negotiation is I want X and your position is you want Y. And then you're just, you know, it becomes very zero sum. It's my way or your way or the highway kind of thing. Whereas, you know, when you take a step back and say, well, what about your solution is important to you? What about my solution is important to me? We start understanding our vision for what we're trying to create, what is important for us to preserve and be mindful of what we're solving for. And having conversations about those things when you're not in the middle of a big disagreement is the best time. Because there are a few areas where you will tend to have very big material disagreements and it would seem to keep coming up again and again. It's going to be about money. It's going to be about risk. It's going to be about scale or lack thereof. And it's going to be about goal or vision, right? Do we or don't we want to go into this industry? Do we or don't we want to take on the scale of project, et cetera? And those disagreements are often not about the direct appraisal that we each have of that particular opportunity so much as, you know, the direction the opportunity represents. And the underlying values that we're bringing into the conversation. You keep saying values, but I I feel like people are going to take that to mean something different from what you mean. When you say we don't have the same values, that's often used. Oh yeah, no, no, that's, that's okay. No, we, we share a lot of the values. It's not like you don't think that profitability is not important. And I don't think that, you know, going after opportunities is not important. It's just the degree to which we prioritize one versus the other. It's all relative. So it's not necessarily values. It's, it's maybe comfort with risk and change from that perspective. But it's, uh, it's how we are wired, I suppose. And just how we experience things and what we want. I mean, when we hire new people or, you know, acquire a company and our headcount grows, we do new innovative things. And you know, so, so we just came off a launch that we did a whole bunch of stuff that was pretty innovative and new in the industry. 
And I went into it kind of with the frame of, you know, I feel confident about this. I think it's very promising. I think there's a 90% chance it's going to work out really well and a 10% chance it's going to blow up in my face. (laughs) And that's about the ratio that I like. That's how I know that I'm pushing the envelope in the right way. I think you would be more comfortable with, you know, I'm 99% sure it's going to work out well, but it won't be as big of an outcome. Yeah, but there's very little chance that it would blow up in our faces or that it would have a, a big negative impact. Right. Like some people are like, I hired 20 people in the last three months. We, that's great. Other people are like, oh my God, that's scary. Yes, I would definitely be on the scary <laughs> uh, side. But I mean, that's fine. And you want that diversity of perspectives, right? Because you- Well, you do. And, and in a context where we're business partners, it's important for us to have, and we've had a lot of those conversations around what are our priorities? What are we doing? What are we building? What's important? And that's, that's not a conversation and it's not a disagreement that you want to hash out as subtext when you're debating not whether to hire someone for a particular role. Yeah, no, not at all. It's something that you want to think through in a setting when it's, and give yourself time and space to think through it. That's in a non-immediate kind of way, for sure. And also speaking of the setting, in our conversation so far, we've kind of been presuming that, you know, it's just me and you and those are the only people in the dynamic. But, I mean, you know, we're, we're running a larger organization now, you know. A lot of these conversations and disagreements will happen in the context of, for example, a meeting with our management team. And something we've learned over the years is that it's fine for us to disagree, but, you know, we've got to do it in a very particular way when you're disagreeing in front of other people. Otherwise, it just feels like mommy and daddy are fighting, right? And so, you know, we've mentioned, I think, in other episodes that we have our standing Friday morning business meeting that we go for breakfast and we talk about whatever the issues are. Anything that we think is going to be contentious, like that's the place to have the conversation, not in front of other people. Yeah, we don't have to be 100% aligned in terms of like, yes, I agree. We agree with each other 100%, but we need to be aligned on the direction. Or that's what I found the ratio that works well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. We don't want to like take all our disagreements offline. I think that just disempowers and makes the management team pointless and creates politics. Like that's not at all a good idea. But, you know, you and I should be in alignment about what our general level of risk tolerance is before we go to talking about specific things with the leadership team. Yeah. And, the, and actually, I want to go back to something we'd said previously around, um, you know, big disagreements that are going to show up many times over the course of working together. Like, for example, for us, it's about risk and opportunity. And like, it started shifting for me when I got over sort of like, well, doesn't everyone think like this? I don't understand why we're even talking about it, right? So once I got over sort of that disbelief, and it's like, okay, no, there's, you know, there's someone I respect. They're super smart. I want to hear their perspective. And this is going to be a learning opportunity for me. And so like getting into sort of that frame of mind really helped. And then also identifying that, look, this is, if there's a disagreement that's coming up in different ways and shapes and forms over the course of months and years, like you want to isolate it, you want to name it and you want to work on, well, how can we get more aligned on this topic? Because it's exhausting if we continue to disagree on something and it's the same disagreement that happens like, I don't know, every week or every few weeks or whatever. I don't have anything else on my notes. I feel like we should sum it up somehow. It's like when you think about sort of an ideal relationship or like an ideal marriage or romantic relationship, what have you, it's like, we never disagree on anything. We, you know, see the world exactly the same way with the same pair of glasses or what have you. And like, I feel like that'd be nice, but I'm not sure how realistic that is. And also disagreements don't have to be a bad thing. It wouldn't be nice. It would be pleasant. But it wouldn't be good. It wouldn't lead it wouldn't to good places. Yeah. I mean, it's a work in progress. But if we're coming from a perspective, like I have to be right 
and it says something about me if I'm wrong. Like, I think that makes it harder to kind of be open-minded and have good conversations. And yeah, I don't think we are on the same, but like a good conversation for me, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting if someone is kind of like bringing up different perspectives and, um, you know, I'm surprised by it and I'm, I'm learning new things. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I'm glad we don't see things exactly the same way. Oh my Lord. So I think this will either never be aired or be brilliant. It's like they need to get scrappy. Like Melanie and I fight. Yeah, we disagree all the time. <laughs> we're fighters and we're very opinionated people. And definitely we have had moments where it's like, oh, mommy and daddy are fighting for certain because we're not very good about. I'm not going to wait till Friday morning to have a breakfast with Suzanne and talk through some crazy bullshit idea she has. I'm just not. I'm going to go, what are you saying? And I'll say it right there in front of the team. Now, we have been doing this long enough. Suzanne and I have been together for 28 years, and we have been running a business together for 13 years now. So I've done this long enough to know there are moments where I've got to just shut my mouth because I've got a lot to say and it does get wrapped up in the personal. Boomy ended it by saying, you know, when I take out the me being wrong, no, sometimes you're wrong. Sometimes Melanie is dead. If I can remove that this is personal, it's personal. You're wrong. You don't have the right perspective. You don't know what we're doing here and vice versa. Sometimes I'm just wrong and I can't tell you how much money I have literally had to like lose over me being wrong and I should have listened to her. So this whole concept of like, you know, and then you don't take it, per everything's personal. It's all personal. It is all personal. And if you're going to be in business with your spouse, the only thing there is is personal. There's me, there's Melanie, and there's us. And the us then involves our son, right? And the business. So every time I make a decision, and the other thing that we work from is that I am 51% of the business. At the end of the day, I'm the final say. So at some point, Melanie knows like it doesn't matter. She will switch cheese it to death to me, right? And what we say is she's the hell no to my hell yeah. She averts risk and I love having her or I would probably just be a spinning Jenny, you know, making risky decisions all the time. But at some point she knows it doesn't matter because 51% has stepped in and I'm out. Yeah. And I, you know, I believe my job is to really outline the risks and liabilities to all of her wild and wonderful ideas that come fast and furious and constant and remind her of like, listen, it's okay. If you want to do this, fine. As long as you acknowledge that these are the risks and that this is what we're up against and you feel comfortable with this. And you feel like these are things that are uh, that we can handle and manage, then I'm fine with it. But if you've not thought about a couple of these things, then that's why I'm here is to bring them up, make you think about them. And then we're making a decision fully aware and moving forward. And there is nothing sweeter than telling her, I told you so, <laughs> which has happened because, you know, it happens. Unless I'm like, I, I told you so, I told you this is not a good idea. Melanie wasn't involved in the business in the beginning. And she literally was like, you are a Fruit Loop. I don't know what you're doing. You sound crazy. And then we got to a point where she did want to come into the business. And I gave an ultimatum because my ultimatum was like, 
I started this business. It's now successful and you're in a job. And so you're a cinder block in my life right now around my ankle. We can't travel. We can't go anywhere. You have a job and I have freedom and this business is successful. So what the hell are you going to do about it? We're just journeying through back and forth ultimatums. Like she gets good at something. If you don't get good at this, then you're going to be left behind. And I go, oh, now I'm good at this. And if you don't get good at this, and we're, we are, we're very feisty and we're very um, scrappy. And so for us, there is creativity in the combat. And that's where so much evolves. People fight in different ways. And I'm using the word fight, disagree or whatever. There's people who scream. There's people who you know, go back and forth and journal. There's people who deliberate. There's people who come at things from mediation. Like we scrap, right? Like we are like, it's West Side Story, right? It's just who we are. And in that is all of these, like these ideas come forth. And a lot of times it's the way that I end up hearing truths. And in a way it's the, it's sometimes how she ends up hearing opportunity. Is that a way to say it, Melanie? Yeah, I think people are scared to argue and scared to go just say what they feel instinctively. Like, no, 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 no. I don't like this. My gut is telling me no. And they try to rationalize it and put on some, you know, Harvard Business School hat and go, let's walk through whatever five point thing you're supposed to do. And I think that sometimes you just have to go with your gut and blurt it out and then work through it and be willing to stand beside it. And be willing to work through it and know what's happening. Um, And I think people are just scared of that. Scared of like really, truly exploring how they feel, saying it, putting it out there. And it's hard not to take things personally. It is personal. Business is personal when you're running it with your spouse. But you have to be willing to not take that home and let it bleed over into we're making dinner with our son. I'm better at that than Melanie is. I literally have like... I live my life in a theater, like the curtain drops. And I'm like, scene, like we can be like, and we're not doing this and we're going to lose our ass if we do this. Da, 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 da. Oh, we got to get Adrian scene. Okay. So do you want to pick them up or do you want I to pick them up? I do that a little easier than she does. Um, and, but I think we've, you've gotten better at it, Molly, but sometimes you'll be like, I can't stop the scene right now. And so, yeah, but I think confrontation is the creative process. It is the creative process. The whole thing about like, how do we disagree and how do we create strategies around disagreeing? I find that all of that creates an anxiety around the disagreements that's so unnecessary. It's like we fight, we figure it out and we move on, right? It's like the, the time that's wasted in how should we disagree? You disagree by being respectfully reactionary. Right. And people are always like, don't be reactionary. It's all you've got. Your point of view, your opinions, your gut reaction is all you have in life. And you've got to learn to to present that in a way that you don't ostracize people. Um, But if you're in a strong partnership in which both partners are like, hey, we have the ultimate end goal in mind, um, that's not going to happen. Yeah, exactly. We are such different people, you know, like I'm high risk, I'm high drive, I'm high. And Melanie's like, I thought we had a good life. Why do we have to add this on top of it? You know, we could lose everything doing this, you know, whatever that looks like. Some things are big disagreements. And of course, some things are like, I do it this way. If somebody goes and puts a red napkin on the table, one of us goes and switches it out with blue. 
It can be a challenge if you don't know how to manage it for team, but team knows the order in which they get approvals. So they know a lot of times we're just having our process. If that's not clear, that can be a challenge, but we disagree about everything. Yeah, we do. Well, and I I do think that we have a mutual respect. I mean, Suzanne knows that there are certain things that I have opinions about that she just doesn't care about and she would like to move on from it, but she knows that it matters to me. I also think that, you know, the flip side of that is there's a time and place and you're like, listen, no no more. We we have to move on from this. So Melanie, make a decision and let's, let's roll because we need to do that. So, you know, that's the good side of disagreeing. She doesn't agree with me that we need to do another round of revisions on these things. But she's like, I'm not going to fight it right now, right? And and same with me. There are some things where I'm just like, why am I fighting this? This is something she wants to do. Let her do it. It makes her happy. She has to deal with the outcomes of this. I don't. So let's move on. You know, I think what Danny was saying about understanding people's interest in the negotiation, I do think that that is where partnerships and being aligned and like family values and how that can seep into things. That seeps into what you're planning in the company and how it affects your schedule and and what your vision is of your life and what's important to you as a family has to translate into the business and how you're structuring it and the decisions you make. Because the way we made decisions seven years ago is a lot different than the way we make decisions now because we have a child. And so, you know, there, there is a, a whole other dynamic that we have to take into account um, into our decision-making process. And, you know, when we're arguing, it's about preserving the integrity of what we think our vision is for the family, right? And sometimes we have to go, wait a minute, but I thought this was, I didn't think we wanted to do this. And then the other's like, oh, well, yes, but, you know, we have to explain things. And, and that is where, you know, the team doesn't need to hear the family dynamics of, yes, well, you said you're going to take your dad to the doctor's appointment. So how are you going to take him to the heart doctor and then get Adrian to soccer if, you know, that's the stuff the team really doesn't want to hear. And it's just like, Jesus, please save us. But um, those are the things that are, you know, the Friday morning uh, discussion for us. That Those are the things where it's like the logistics of our life. Because life logistics, when you have kids and older parents and siblings and holidays and whatever stuff you get going on, and they start interacting, um, then those start affecting your abilities to make decisions with clarity in the business. Because you're not just making it, you know, based on the business, you're, you're basing it on how it affects your life. And most of us have created these businesses because we had a vision for our life, of what we wanted, not just to make a paycheck. You know, we wanted to create a life where we could travel or support our parents or, you know, whatever that is. And so you have to keep that in focus. And that's not always something the team can't hold that vision for you, right? They don't necessarily care that someone can take Johnny to his appointment. I mean, they care, but they don't really care that her dad has somebody to go with them. You know, I can't ask them to hold that intention. We have to hold that intention for our vision. We're not going to go to bed with anything left unsaid. That's the, the thing about us. Okay, are you ready? Okay. So is that it? Guess so. On to the credits? Yep. Thank you so much for listening to For Better or For Work. I'm Suzanne Evans. And I'm Melanie Orr. You can find out more about us at DrivenInc.com. For Better or For Work is part of the Miracy FM podcast network. This episode was produced by Cynthia Lamb. 
Jeff Gobberton and Michi Lance put it together. Danny Eaney is the executive producer. Post-production by Post Office Sound. If you like the show, please follow us and leave a starred review. Again, if you'd like to learn a little more about what Melanie and I are doing, check us out over at DrivenInc.com. Thank you, and we'll see you next time. And so the tailor, having gathered together the beautiful scraps, began to sew. He stitched and he sewed and he sewed and he stitched. And by the morning time, he had made himself a beautiful coat. Now, when he wore his coat into the market, everyone admired it so much that the tailor decided to wear the new coat everywhere. And that's what he did. He wore it and wore it and wore it until it was all worn out. Or was it? In each episode of Once Upon a Business, Lisa shares a fairy folk or traditional tale and then extracts rich business lessons that are applicable for entrepreneurs, coaches, and course creators. Stories always take us on a journey from one place to the next. Sometimes this journey is literal, sometimes it's metaphorical, but always we find ourselves transformed. This story, The Tailor's Coat, originating from Europe, takes us through a literal transformation of the pieces of cloth and yet somehow teaches a powerful lesson. It does speak to a common entrepreneurial journey. Many of us start out working for someone else and give them everything we've got. Perhaps the tailor finally deciding to make something for himself is similar to the entrepreneurial desire to begin to create a business for ourselves. We take the scraps, the skills that we've developed, the experience that we've gained, and we launch our own business. I think it's an incredibly important skill for an entrepreneur, for anybody running a business, to be able to know that creating something out of nothing is always possible. And it's often the way forward because it's out of the scraps of what's been done before. It's out of almost the missing pieces that are not quite there that we can actually bring our creativity and bring our determination and bring our vision to create something really wonderful, really brand new and really beautiful. And then we can walk around the town with it. You know, we can be proud. We can step out and we can wear it until it's almost worn out, but not quite. To hear more of Lisa's stories and learn the deep lessons they carry, make sure you subscribe to Once Upon a Business wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you every other week with a brand new episode.